prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Jessica Chastain on two dynamic new performances in The Eyes of Tammy Faye and Scenes from a Marriage, plus a catch-up with Alicia Vikander. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused, and yes, not one, but two fantastic conversations with two of our best actresses working today. A little bit later on, I'm catching up with Alicia Vikander, who um, has been on the pod a couple times before. Last year was on the pod, and I'm pleased to say is back today for a, as I said, it's kind of a bit of a quick catch-up, but I couldn't pass up the chance to chat with her um, about this great new film she's in that comes out this Friday called Blue Bayou. Um, she stars in it alongside Justin Chan, who actually wrote and directed the film. Really timely and at times disturbing tale uh, of a Korean-American man who is facing deportation. Justin's excellent in it. Alicia is excellent in it and uh, shows off a different side of her, a different kind of a role for her. She gets to sing in it in a kind of a show-stopping scene. And um, again, I just couldn't pass up the chance to catch up with Alicia uh, ever, but especially for this film and this role. So that's coming up a li little bit later on in the show. But the main event, the big interview uh, of today's episode of Happy, Sad, Confused is surprisingly a first-time guest. I say surprisingly because, I, I mean, I feel like I've talked to Jessica Chastain a dozen times in different capacities over the years, but somehow she has eluded me on the podcast. Uh, she has a lot to talk about right now because she is in an excellent new film called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. She stars in it opposite Andrew Garfield. And yes, as the title promises, this is the story of Tammy Faye Baker, her husband Jim. These were, if you don't know it, very notorious televangelists of the 80s embroiled in different kinds of scandals. But Tammy Faye is a very complex figure who really was put through the ringer back then by the media. And this is a, um, a really... A fascinating kind of character portrait and certainly a transformative performance for Jessica. If you've seen pictures or video of Tammy Faye, nothing like Jessica. So a real cool opportunity to see her stretch in different ways and she just knocks this out of the park and sings and physically transforms and is getting um, you know, much uh, deserved awards attention for this. And I should say also Andrew Garfield, fantastic in this too. Another performance I wouldn't have expected out of him, but I, I guess at this point I should expect the unexpected from Andrew Garfield as well. Uh, Jessica also is in a really great new series on HBO that has debuted. The first episode is, is uh, out there already, Scenes from a Marriage. Now this is her and Oscar Isaac. Now it doesn't get any better than that, of course. Oscar and Jessica, if you don't know, they go all the way back to Juilliard. They've known each other for a long time, so it is great to see them go toe-to-toe -to -toe in this really intimate um, dissection of a marriage, of a relationship. It is inspired, of course, by the very famous Ingmar Bergman series, but this is all its own. And um, yeah, so, so a lot to dig into with Jessica on this. And, um, you know, she's just always a delight. We give each other shit in the best possible way, in the nicest possible way, but I adore her, and she is, of course, one of the finest actors around. So couldn't pass up the chance to have her on the podcast at last. Um, other things to mention, there's a lot going on. We have a new Game Night episode up on the Happy, Sad, Confused Patreon page. Uh, and this is exciting. Some new folks to uh, Game Night, but not new folks to the podcast. Uh, Joe Manganello is on, as is Justin Long, as is Christian Long. Christian Long, by the way, is Justin's brother. Uh, if you listen to their uh, podcast, which I, hi I highly recommend, uh, Life is Short, um, that uh, you hear you hear Christian in the intros and sometimes in the interviews themselves, um, and they have a very fun dynamic, as you can imagine. So um, they've actually also co-written and co-directed a new film called Lady of the Manor, which you guys should check out. Very funny, starring Melanie Linsky, among many other cool folks. Um, so yeah, it's a great, great episode of Game Night. Joe Manganiello, one of my favorite humans, always loves, always is down for a game and um, a fun dynamic between, I think, all four of us. So if you want to check that out, go over to the Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. Other things to mention. Let's see. There is some fun stuff with Kristen Bell and Kirby Howell Baptiste I've done for Comedy Central. Check that out on Comedy Central's YouTube page. Um, I've recorded a conversation with 
Venom himself, Tom Hardy, alongside Andy Serkis, his director of the new Venom film. That's coming soon to MTV. Um, and yeah, a lot more. Tape some podcasts that are in the bank that you're going to be really into. Uh, you know, there are certain films I've been obsessing about for years, and one of them is going to be well represented on the podcast very soon. You can probably figure out what I'm talking about. Um, okay, but that's that's down the road. Um, this week, let's get right to the main event. A little bit later on, as I said, Alicia Vikander on the film Blue Bayou. Stay tuned for that after this conversation um, with the amazing and talented, the dynamic, the vivacious, the always giving me shit in the nicest possible way, the one and only Jessica Chastain. Jessica, it's yeah. happening. Can you believe it? We're, we've finally done it. Look at us. Look it up. We did it. We did it. Um, welcome at long last to the Happy first Second all, Podcast. Yes. Let's, well, thank what, what, you. Air, air your beefs. What's, what's going on? What's the problem? Beefs. I was just going to say I'm so happy to see you after this uh, global pandemic that we're <laughs> still currently living in. Oh, yeah. Oh, that little thing. Yeah. Me too. We're, we're still here. We're still here. We're still doing our thing. You're certainly doing your thing. And uh, yeah, no, a global pandemic can't stop you from- uh, And it can't stop us. No, can't stop this this train no. from going. Um, no. I can't believe you've never done the podcast, first of all. I mean, we've talked obviously a thousand times, but here we are. No, you finally got me on it. I finally got you. I, I, I mean, I feel like I, I talked to all your buddies. I talked to McAvoy yesterday. Edgar really? does the podcast like every other week, practically. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you Shannon, have good Mike Shannon. Just caught up with, with our guy, Mike. Um, but you are the main event today. Let's talk Jessica Chastain. You've got a lot going on, my friend. Um, I've been reveling in all the Chastainiac uh, content. I've watched seven hours of the Chastain the last couple of days. Scenes cool. from a Marriage, fantastic on HBO. And of course, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, shades of 2011. Shades of like that oh, year cool. when you had like 18 movies out <laughs> in six months. Um, there you go. I mean, and yeah. Think from a Marriage, though, was shot during the pandemic. Isn't that crazy? And Eyes of Tammy Faye was shot in 2019. Got it. So, well, first of all, let's get, since we have a little time, let's give a little perspective, because I, I, I was reminiscing about those early days when you kind of like jumped into the scene head first. And yeah. I remember I talked to you, I think the first time was 2011 at Sundance for Take Shelter. As the years go by, do you have like a different perspective on the madness of that year? Does it grow fonder? Does it get more abstract? Like what, when you think back to that year, what do you think back to now? Oh, it's an it was like an amazing year. It was the most incredible year. I was so proud of, of all the work I was doing. I was getting to meet like Gary Oldman was walking up to me on the red carpet and telling me he like liked my movies. <laughs> it, was really, it was insane. Yeah. It literally was the year that was, it's, it was like from a play or something. You're, this cannot be reality. So for me, that was a, an, a fantastic experience. And, um, and also it was the year that, I think around that time too, Oscar had Inside Lewin Davis. So it was like all of my buds and my friends, we were all just kind of around each other and celebrating that life was, was our careers were starting to happen the way that we had yeah. always hoped they would. What's the, what's the biggest change in terms of how you choose roles now i mean a you can choose roles now early on for any actor you don't get the luxury of choice but 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 around then you were starting to get to choose um your life has changed circumstances have changed your experiences have changed like how do you judge scripts and roles differently now than you did then i mean it it depends because i chose scenes from marriage for a different very different reason than i chose the eyes of tammy faye um yeah. for scenes from a marriage Oscar, like, first of all, he emailed me way before he was even attached, like a year before. And he was like, hey, I heard they're doing this. Do you want to, let's try to do it together. And I was like, well, I'm booked because I was supposed <laughs> to play in London. Right. I posted all this stuff. I was like, if they'll wait, okay. No one wants to wait. Come on. <laughs> so, but then when Michelle, you know, uh, fell out, he emailed me and said, hey, has a pandemic opened your schedule? <laughs> <laughs> Has the global catastrophe changed your schedule a little bit? Yeah. Are you free? And I was. And um, so that was like a thing of like, I love him. We've been friends for 20 years. We went to school together. Yeah. 
we have the same way of working. I adored working with him on a most violent year. And when I read it, I was like, oh, this is just gonna be, it's like a play, a television series and a movie. It's like three mediums all in one. So that to me was an easy yeah. choice. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the eyes of Tammy Faye, I, I watched the documentary when I was on the press tour for Zero Dark Thirty. Right, so that's a long one. Yeah, that's the long yeah. gestation period. Yeah, needless yeah. to say. And I was like, no one would ever expect Maya from Zero Dark Thirty would play Tammy <laughs> Baker. So I, I try. I got the rights to the movie before I even had a production company, and then started working on it. So okay, let's start with scenes from a marriage. You you got it. Some of the the things I definitely want to talk about. Yeah, it does feel like it's like a karmic turnaround from a most violent year because as I remember, um, you kind of um, yeah after Oscar on that yeah. one when Javier dropped out. Your buddy Michelle Williams was supposed to do this yes. again, as the fates would have it. Um, like here's here's a curious thing. I'm just curious, like from an actor's perspective, your buddies with Michelle, she has to drop out for various reasons. You come in. Do you talk to Michelle about like where she was at with the part, or are you are you like picking her brain on like what you were gonna do with it, or do oh, you start no. fresh? You would never. No, that's that. too weird to me. Yeah. yeah, you have to start fresh. Um, but it happens all the time. There's so many. Uh, parts where like, oh, so-and-so was going to do this and then they fell out, or I was going to do this and I fell out and so then this person jumps in. It happens all the time and we never talk about it because you don't want the articles out there like, oh, imagine this person doing it or imagine, right. oh, if Jessica had done this and, you know, it's it's awkward, but it literally happens all the time and it Please. goes unreported. Those, so, but, those sliding doors stories are what I live for. I don't, I mean, maybe from your perspective, <laughs> it's awkward for me. It's like, I, I mean, I love the finished product, but I always also like to imagine okay. what might've been. It's all good. I'll give you one. Yeah. I, oh, should I give you this? Oh, you can't tease it like that, yes, Jess, okay, come well, on. <laughs> because it, it, for me, it's, it, it was important. Okay, I got, and I've always wanted to work with him. I love David O. Russell. Love, love, love. I we had talked, and I got offered American Hustle, the Jennifer Lawrence part. Got it. And I wanted to do it. It conflicted with Lee Volman and uh, Miss Julie, and I had been attached to that for a long time. And I worship Lee Volman, and so I had to say, like, I'm sorry, there's there's conflict, and it didn't work out. And you know, too, it's a good thing that movie didn't do well. Nope, yeah. No Oscar nominations, nothing at all. You're okay. Everyone's okay. And full circle, Lee Volman obviously that's, comes around. That's why I shared that story. Yeah, because honestly, she is like a goddess to me and I worship her. And I mean, everything happens for a reason because Jennifer also was way better than I would have ever been in that part. So I confess, even as a cinephile and someone that consumes a ton of pop culture, I've never seen the original. I, I admit it now of uh, scenes from a marriage, Ingmar Bergman. I know, I know I need to. I don't think you can it. call yourself a cinephile. I clearly can. not. No. <laughs> no. Give back your card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, did you did you uh, talk to Le uh, leave after you took on this role and, and pick her brain a bit, or was that also kind of weird and awkward, or what? Um, I sent her because I know the thing about leave, and this is how I, I took her ins the inspiration of her with me when I played this role. Leave is so incredibly sensitive. It's almost like she doesn't have skin. She's just like raw, yeah. wild, like vulnerable. She feels everything. It's beautiful. And I, as, as soon as I started, and I, po I even posted on Instagram, I was like, there will only ever be one Marianne. And it was a picture of Leave and I. I just, I emailed her to know, so she would know, I'm not doing a ream. I'm not playing your part. There's only you. Right. I'm playing something else. I'm playing, basically I'm playing Johan, but a modern day version of Johan. Got it. And um, she's she's incredibly supportive. In fact, she and I are going to do a photo shoot and a little interview in a couple days together. Nice. She loves yeah. the series. She's like she's she's a great inspiration of mine, and um, I'm so lucky to have her in my life. So, I don't know if this is from the original series or something you guys decided on the fly to do in this one, but there's some really interesting moments of kind of like breaking the fourth wall and showing the behind the scenes stuff throughout a little bit. It's not a ton, but like enough that really captures kind of what you're saying about your relationship with Oscar that like, obviously this is so, so, such intimate material. It's so raw. It's so profoundly honest. Um, 
to see you guys, and I don't think it's usually it's a spoiler to talk about the end scene of, of a series, but like there's like, you get to see you guys off camera essentially. Yeah. And to see the bond you two have is really touching. And really like you do see that intimacy both on screen and then in those moments off. Um, did that, I guess, how did that come about to capture those moments? Well, what was crazy is, uh, so I met with a guy about whether or not I would join because it was so last minute and right. it was one of the best director's meetings I've ever had. So I was like, yeah, we started rehearsals three days later. <laughs> and we were like in my house, Hagai's house, Oscar's house. It was like the three of us just rehearsing. And I think it was like week two of rehearsal, Hagai just said to us, this is so beautiful watching the two of you together. Because we would joke that we were each other's acting coaches. If there was a scene that I didn't get, he would help me through. And he, would, he wouldn't tell me how to do it. He would just ask me questions like, why don't you like this? Yeah. What is, you know, what are you pushing against? And um, so a guy came to us one day and he goes, I have an idea. I want to show you guys because whatever this is, the two of you is the re you know, it's the reason for the series in some sense, even though it was a last minute yeah. chance that we're doing, we did this together. And so he planned it all out. Um, I mean, the wedding ring at the end, that's all like, my, I asked my, my husband's like, use a fake wedding ring. <laughs> But like me coming on set, taking off my fake husband wedding ring and then putting on Mira's wedding ring, all of that stuff Hagai had um, planned out. And then the right. end, he, they just said, we're just going to roll the camera and follow you guys. And it literally was just us kind of like saying goodbye to each other. It's really beautiful. It is, even for a cynic like myself, it's kind of, it's, a very, it's very touching to watch. Um, you know, we've kind of danced around it. I mean, there's not much to, to really set up for the show. It's kind of like implicit in the title. It is essentially in five hours um, chronicling over a number of years, this intimate marriage, this relationship through ups and, and a lot of downs. Um, talk to me a little bit about, we, we, we talked about the Oscar relationship, but like, I'm curious, like going back, you knew him from Juilliard, correct? He's yeah. one, of the, one, of the, one of the cool kids He was Juilliard. my boyfriend's, he wasn't the cool kid, come on. <laughs> Um, no, my boyfriend from college, he was his friend, oh, okay. like very good friend. So the great thing about our friendship is I got to see all the sides of Oscar that as a girl, you wouldn't normally see because I was hanging out with the boys. Right. So I really like know a lot about him. <laughs> did, he have the, did he have the best hair back then or has that come with age? Uh, maybe that's come with age. He's got pretty good floppy hair now, right? <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty good. impressive. Yeah. Have you, have you guys, now you are part of an elite club also, you've both been X-Men villains. Have you compared notes? Because I know Oscar loved being under all that makeup for, for months at a time playing Apocalypse. Um, should we talk? <laughs> Oscar and I definitely have talked about this. Hey, okay. Um, okay. Not, not a... Um, not the most fun topic for some certain reasons, perhaps. Yeah. I don't want to put mean, words in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the reality is our situations were very different. Yes. Um, my situation, I think, you know, studio was bought at a certain point. Yes. I didn't even know what my character's name was until I saw the film. <laughs> what? like, what's happening? Um, <laughs> yes, it was a, it was yeah. a interesting thing, but yeah. um, Simon Kinberg, who directed it, is an incredible human being and I've worked with him again. I love him. Everybody loves Simon. No, yeah. no bad words to say there. Is, is there a commonality among, because beyond Oscar, there are several actors that you return to over the years. McAvoy, mm -hmm. Edgar, like you've got these guys that good Michael stable. Shannon, did Michael Shannon tell you what's about to happen? Is, you're getting the scoop right now. I'm gonna <laughs> tell you, literally <laughs> it's a scoop. Let's hear it. So, George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Oh, he's playing George. Oh, he's, he's gonna play George Jones. And you know, Mike was in a band before, like he was a he singer. Music is like his, arguably his first love in some ways, yeah. And when we did Take Shelter, I took his um, CD and put it in the jukebox at the small bar in uh, Ohio. He's like such an amazing singer. So yeah, we're, we're about to go do that. And John Hillcoat's directing all six episodes. Fan fantastic music yeah. to my ears i just i just chatted with michael in person 
And, um, and he didn't tell you. Wow, he, I guess he, he doesn't well, like he, you as much as... Uh, no, no, you're, you're my favorite now. But he did, when I mentioned, we were going through the filmography and I mentioned how much I still love and admire Take Shelter. I think his reaction was, I don't give a fuck what you think, Josh. And then I knew, <laughs> I knew where I stood with Mike after all these years. <laughs> yeah, he, he really does care though. He talks about you a lot, actually. Don't you know you're tease. the screensaver on his phone. Don't even tease, don't make fun. No, I'm not making fun. We are you text buddies now. We've, like this. we've proceeded to texting in our relationship. So I feel like we're really getting closer no. to matrimony. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell my wife. Exactly. Careful. Speaking, don't tell anyone. Speaking of marriage, um, this I'm thankful that I watched all five episodes of my wife. Our marriage is intact. But there are like there are certain kinds of films and TV that can test a relationship, that can push buttons. And this is one, I think, with like a, a somewhat unsteady relationship. I don't know if this one's gonna <laughs> be the best uh, tonic for them. Or um, it actually is the perfect medicine maybe. because it gets you talking, right? Usually unsteady relationships, you're not communicating enough. And right. so maybe this will be like, you don't feel like that. Oh, they're terrible. You don't feel like that, do you? And the other person is like, uh, yeah. Or on no, the I spectrum, mean, we're doing great compared to this couple, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, the first one, when it came out, it inspired a, a lot. There was like a huge flux of divorces. Really? Gosh. Yeah. So what was, um, what, what was your idea of marriage based on film and TV when you were growing up? Like, was, do, you, do you remember, like, was there Kramer versus Kramer or War of the Roses? Oh, were those kinds of like, things in your mind or what? Or Honestly, I never wanted to get married. I really like, I'm still like, I know I'm married. I'm super happy. I love my husband, but it was never something I was going to do. It seems like it was a contractual thing you just said. It seems <laughs> like you just said that. No, I really do love, I really, I'm, I'm happy. I'm married, but I would be pr equally happy to not be married because for me, it's not about a convention. It's not about like an obligation. Right. It just feels like so old fashioned to like do that. And, and also especially for women, it, it feel it doesn't feel like it's the most modern. So don't let your wife hear this, Josh. But it feels like <laughs> she's drawing up papers but right behind the camera. What's the point, you know? Um, and so reality too, like if someone watches the series and it inspires them to have a, a divorce, more power to you. Because that means you were not in a happy situation. And so I'm all about everyone being free because when you can love without owning someone, that's real love. Speaking of super solid marriages, let's talk about the eyes of Tammy Faye for a, a little bit. Okay. So, um, there. good job. Uh, hey, I've, I've been doing this a while. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, another amazing performance. Honestly, you, you kill it in this one. I love Andrew Garfield. Always full oh, of I mean, how good is he? That loves you. <laughs> he really does. Again, and like uh, both of you guys on paper, I'm, I'm apparently a shitting casting agent, but I would never put you guys in the top 10 or 100 to play these roles. And yet you are the only ones out that, that could have done it. <laughs> um, talk to me about why you were, you said you saw the doc, which is a great doc, yeah. by the way. Was that the thing you fell in love with and, and inspired you from the get-go? Yeah, I was really inspired by that. It's the Steve Peters interview. That to me, her doing that speech, uh, Steve Peters interview, you know, she brings this guy onto her show. He's gay, he has AIDS. And she says, this is at a time when the government won't talk about AIDS. And they're being, you know, communities are dying and uh, they're being looked at. People who, who are suffering with AIDS are being looked at as like lepers and no one wants to talk to them. And she says, we as Christians are supposed to love everyone. And yet we're, we're so afraid of an AIDS patient that we won't put our arms around them and tell them that we care. And then she's like, I love you. And if I, I want to put my arms around you. And then she also says, when she asked him about coming out and he says, his mom and dad were sad, but they told him that they loved him no matter what. And she's like, you know, thank God, because we as mom and dads are supposed to love through anything. And that's the way with Jesus. And it was so punk rock. Oh, yeah. Said at that time, because, you know, televangelism, evangelicals were all white men who um, were dictating a very conservative, um, exclusive way to the Holy Land. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is the one path. Sorry, this is the only yeah. way you can get in. The only way. And Tammy Faye was like, everyone is deserving of love and everyone is deserving of God's grace. And it, to me, is that's the movie that needed to be told. It's really striking. I mean, I, I lived through that stuff. I remember it from a certain perspective and like watching certain aspects. Like, for instance, like the montage at a certain point where you see kind of like her being the butt of all the late night comedy. 
it's pretty profound. It's actually I had a similar moment recently. I watched the first episode of the new, um, the Ryan Murphy American history, you know, the, uh, American yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Monica Lewinsky. There's a whole similar oh, yeah. kind of narrative there where you just see just how um, it was so skewed and how they were just made to be the martyr um, in a horrible way. Um, did your opinion of her, yeah, go ahead. You have some, yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say, and just so you know, the stuff that's in the film is the stuff that we could get the rights to. Tip of the iceberg. I'm sure like, oh yeah, yeah. Because people aren't aren't eager to be like, here, show me being Here's an my comedy this. routine. This is yeah. yeah, this is the stuff that I said. So imagine how much stuff is out there and like the things that they said about this woman, where they were more interested in how much mascara she was wearing on her face and what she was actually saying and doing. Right. And she was never tried or you know, the US government never found her guilty of anything. Right. And yet her association, because in old fashioned times, women were owned by men, her association with her husband made her guilty, guilty by association yeah. for everything. And the fact that she was taking up too much space, too much makeup, too loud a voice, too big a platform, too loud clothes. She had the fearlessness of a drag queen and that was very threatening for society and for media. Does you, you talk about like her presentation um, as an actor? I mean, you know, you've transformed certainly in different ways uh, on the screen, but maybe never to this extent. I mean, does this feel, does this give you license to kind of like be even bolder with your choices when you have this artifice kind of over you? Yeah, I don't think there's, I could be any bolder with any character. Yeah. Because like even when you watch the trailer or whatever, it, you kind of go, that's crazy. Like this performance. <laughs> Jessica's crazy. And then you Google because everything's online. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Google her, you can find the Steve Peters interview on YouTube. And you're like, that's actually her. <laughs> she, she sounds like that. Her voice yeah. is that high. She's got that Minnesota accent. She's like, way out, you know, her clothes, her makeup. She was just, I think she was fabulous because I feel like she was, some people think it was like she was hiding herself through the makeup. I think she was like expressing herself. Yeah. Like, like this is how I feel. This is who I am. And so, yeah, I could be as, as big as I want because no matter what, Tammy was always bigger. That was always in my head. I'm kind of like shy. I'm always like wanting to underplay everything. Isabel Huppert is my acting like <laughs> idol. I'm like underplay, underplay, underplay. And with Tammy, it was like, you got to go yeah. beyond what you think is normal. So uh, I asked for some questions from our audience, and one actually alludes to something we're talking about. Sabrina DeLorme wanted to know, what's your favorite accent over the years, and what's the hardest one you've had to, to imitate? Well, definitely the one, oh, there's two that I repeat, and it's Tammy, because I just love that Minnesota accent. It's just like, it, and you know, and our voice is so high and sweet, and it's so folksy. I love it. Uh, it took me a long time to let go of it, and also Celia Foote. And it's interesting because both of those characters have a higher pitched voice and my voice can sit quite low yeah. normally. So the fact that I like pitch it up and there's just like a sweetness to the way they talk. Of course, Celia Foote is more like sensual, you know, but um, those are those are the two accents that it's just I it was just so fun, so fun to, to do. So so something struck me when I was, you know, I have a moment like this to kind of like do the macro view on the career. When we've talked about so many different kinds of films over the last 10 years, I don't necessarily think, and maybe you could argue the help or even in some ways this film have comedic elements, but you've never done the comedy, Jessica. And I know you to be like a very bright, fun spirit. We've done some very stupid, silly sketches together. Like, are you naturally predisposed to react to dramatic material or are you shot do you shy away consciously from comedic material do people not see you that way what's what's the story well i don't think i mean the reality is if you look at the level of scripts right um i get pretty great scripts that are dramas sci-fis like all of those yeah. i get great right an a-level comedy script it's going to go to Melissa McCarthy <laughs> and Godspeed. Like, yes, <laughs> I get it. So I'm like way down on that list um, in terms of something like that. And, and for me, I want to kind of go to like where the great scripts are. I'm very happy to play Celia Foote or Tammy Faye because there's a sense of outrageousness that and like silliness that I don't normally get to do. Right. But maybe I don't need to be the lead of a comedy when you have someone like Melissa McCarthy out there. Right, right. And where are you at now with, we kind of alluded to uh, the 
the Dark Phoenix situation, which we don't necessarily need to go into deeper detail on, but you had had, you had, you, you've been able to manage for the most part, I think pretty well, like kind of like doing the big stuff, the Martian, uh, Interstellar, um, and, and, and also staying true to your roots with these like really auteur uh, uh, um, driven smaller films. Um, that being said, like, I know like for years we've talked about, and I talk about with every actor, like, where's the superhero role? And it does strike me like Oscar's doing a Marvel superhero and your buddy from Juilliard, Anthony Mackie is Captain America. Does it feel like at this point, like, is there a reason? Like, did it just never happen? Will yeah, it ever super happen? Villain. Give me a super villain. I don't want to be a superhero because you're a superhero. You're doing like 10 films. I see. You want to get in and out. Like, let me be, like, really nasty and, like, really, like, uh, that would be fun. But I don't want to sign a 10-year contract. Yeah. It's, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. Is there, like, the actors and filmmakers you have worked with are, again, run the gamut. Is there an actor or filmmaker you've talked with the most that, for whatever reason, just it hasn't happened yet? Like, the timing hasn't worked out? I mean, everybody. Everybody, I'm sure. <laughs> But does one, does one jump out that you're like, I can't believe I'm already, I'm, I'm into this career this many years and it still hasn't, when are when the, when the hell are we gonna actually step in front of a camera together? Um, well, Gary Oldman in some sense, because I mean, he's in Lawless, but we don't have any scenes together. Right. And um, uh, I mean, I got to work with Ava, which was great on, um, um, we did the the Beyonce and Jay Z video together, right? Um, but like that, also to like to get some my teeth into something, right? Uh, I feel like I've talked to so many filmmakers, and we keep like circling each other. But um, oh. I mean, there's a lot I want I want to work with. But I also I want to work with filmmakers who are interested in telling dynamic stories about women. Right. I don't have to be the lead. Like I did three weeks on a most violent year, you know, but that is a fucking interesting character, right? Yeah. Come on. And and so I'm happy to show up for a couple of weeks, but just give me something to do. <laughs> what about that? Where, where are you at with it seems like the production company is is firing on all cylinders. You've got guys have a lot going on. What have you learned the most since you launched probably what five or six years ago when you were starting to really get uh, yeah. intent on producing? What's been the biggest learning curve, biggest um takeaway? It's, there's always a problem. <laughs> and also <laughs> I will say this, oh, this is terrible to say. It's taught me a lot about actors. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there are situations I'm, I'm like, wow. Like, especially in terms of schedules or whatever. Now I know I'm like, okay, I have a lot of empathy for producers um, when we're trying to fit a schedule and someone has to like, okay, sh I have to be out by this date. Sure. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And so I have a lot of empathy now uh, on upcoming projects. Anytime I'm coming onto someone else's film, like how can I help you make it less stressful? Because um, I've been in situations where it's like, wow, so this is what the other side is like. <laughs> was, I know there are probably a number of obvious reasons why you started producing. Was part of it just also in the early going, like realizing how important it was to have a seat at the creative table and and, yeah, I mean, it, it was also to do whatever I could to support. I mean, it was in 2014, I think, is when I started thinking about it. And this idea of have when you when you have more power, you have more say of like writers and directors. You don't usually have final say because that's the financier. Yeah, but you can push in a different kind of way. Also, in terms of developing stories uh, for Tammy Faye, it was important for me and and because also my company is producing it and because I'm so involved in the development, I didn't want it to be, you know, I didn't want it to be tabloidy and create more trauma. And I read an article where Jessica Hahn was like, I'm so tired of being associated with this and I want it to go away. And I was like, there is no way we should focus on that in our film because also Tammy never met Jessica. And why would we risk re-traumatizing someone? Sure. And I think that that definitely comes, like if I was the actress saying that, that doesn't have as much pull as the actress producer saying that. Where are you at with, as a, I was gonna say a fellow cinephile, but I had to turn in my card earlier in this yeah, conversation. Yeah, you're not a cinephile. As, as one cinephile in this one conversation. Film? Have you seen one Bergman film? Are you really gonna put me on the spot and go there? That's a no. Wow. 
Wow, Josh. <laughs> I thought we were so close. So too. Well, I, at least I still have Michael Shannon. Um, <laughs> you, ad you adore film as much as I do, apparently more. Um, it must be, I mean, a lot of the films that I look back on, on the resume in the current climate, I don't know if they're going to be in theaters in tw 2021. If does Take Shelter get into a movie theater? Does Tree of Life, like, are you, where are you at in terms of your pessimism or optimism about the theatrical experience? I'm a 100% optimist um, on everything and especially for theaters. I mean, before the pandemic, I would, I love going to the movie theater and I would go and there would be hardly any people in the theater, right? That's the, before the pandemic. So what's exciting now is when this is over, if movie theaters become more of a, like a night out, I'm sick of sitting on my couch and watching things at home and where I can pause and like, go get a, yeah you know, shake or whatever I want, popcorn, whatever be, I want. Be, be the social media influencer that you are. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm like sick of that. I'm ready to like go to a dinner and go to a movie theater. I, I want to get back into society. I want to sit and watch a comedy with a bunch of strangers. I want to, I, that's what I long for. And so I do feel like this year and a half and possibly two years of being denied it. I mean, what, what you're denied is only going to make your desire stronger in some sense. Right. So I think we're we're going to get back to the movie theater, but in a in a stronger way than we were before the pandemic. One uh, film that's uh, still to come, delayed like many, but for various reasons, including a global pandemic, is uh, your latest collaboration with Simon, the 355. Um, so has that extra time given you guys more time to kind of cook it in the edit room, make it more to your satisfaction? How are you feeling about it? Because this is a big swing, obviously. It's a big swing um, because all the actresses on the movie, I mean, we're like the owners of it. We created it, uh, we financed it by, you know, showing up in Cannes and linking arms. And and I don't know that anything's ever been done like this. So it's a big swing because it can change the way movies are made and it can change the idea of artists owning their work. But it doesn't, for me, because of the pandemic, because who knows how busy the theaters are going to be in January if people are feeling safe to go or what. Right. I'm not saying it like, oh, it has to make this much money to succeed. The fact that we made this movie, if anyone sees it and they like it, it's a big deal. You know, it's a huge deal because it really, it's like shocking. It, you know, I started in the industry 10 years ago. And the industry I started is so different than the industry that I'm working in now, and it's going to continue to change. But the idea that actresses who, when I started, it was like, oh, these actresses are being thrown away because they're no longer valuable. Well, who's deciding this? Some executive in some office somewhere when the reality is these, you know, the audience dictates who, who they want to see. And the audience dictating that made us able to raise the money to make the film and it, then that helps the actors and the artists own their work so for me it's a huge huge deal and uh I, I i'm excited to see you um push to the side where they write fully belong edgar ramirez and sebastian stan and just have them be the arm candy that they they should I'm be so excited <laughs> i mean they're so gorgeous in our movie i have to say it's really like literally everyone like penelope walks on screen and you're like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah yeah no undeniable i'm sure i can't wait to check it out uh you still uh, texting our buddy al pacino how's how's the text yeah. uh chain yeah he's good he's good he's good he's um I texted him. I mean, no, this was a long time ago, actually, but it's one of the funniest um, texts and, and calls I had with him. So I called him on his 80th birthday to wish him a happy birthday. And he was like, and we were all in quarantine. He's like, Jessica, they had a parade outside my house. <laughs> <laughs> they had like cars like drive by with people to wish him a happy birthday. Oh, it's like for like the six year old, like the nephew. Like you're like, they all come to little. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's just like literally the best, really. He's such a, a mensch. <laughs> He's done the podcast twice over the years, by the way. Mm -hmm. This is your first, just saying. You know what? Don't give me shit. <laughs> I started in the very beginning doing sketches with you before you anyone else. And not only that, you are the very first. I don't know if you even know you know this. The very first happy, sad, confused photo that was ever taken, you, Jessica. 
Thank you. Every time you've asked, except during the pandemic, when I was like, the last thing I want to do right now is do any press when I don't have a movie coming out. <laughs> but every time you've asked, I have been there. I've shown up. I've made no. sad faces. I've made confused faces. I've gone crazy with McAvoy and Tom Hiddleston for you. I've you got talked to Al Pacino about you. And listen, I've done finger guns. <laughs> I adore you. If it wasn't clear, you're the best. Um, oh, wait, you, what? What happened? I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. What did you just say? I, oh, you, you want that on the record? I said you're the best and I adore oh. you and I'm gonna let you go. And I hope to see you in person in the city that never sleeps. You're back home, I, I take it, you're in New York. Yeah, I, by the way, I uh, love the Ben Lyons catching you in the park. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that next time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to see you, buddy. Have a good one, okay? Thank you. Okay, bye, bye Josh. How's it Great. going, Alicia? Good. Yeah. Good. A, yeah, it's been, I'm in Paris, which is nice. But can't complain there. This mm -hmm. is I, so. I don't know about you, Alicia. Welcome. First of all, welcome back to the podcast. It's um. I've lost all sense of time because I was like, I just talked to Alicia like three months ago. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, that was a year ago. So I don't know how you're really? feeling, but yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, someone asked me how old I was the other day and I missed a year. <laughs> that, that's just, that's just shows. It's like COVID. It's like, COVID. I, I don't remember I ever turned that year. That year just went away. <laughs> <laughs> well, while it was a, a pretty rough year for uh, a lot of us, congratulations. You've had some good things happen in the last year. So I'm happy for you and, and Michael. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, so let's talk. Okay. You've got a lot going on. Blue, Blue Bayou, uh, a great new film. Um, you know, my friend, you don't always have to release like three movies at once. This is back to the early Alicia Vikander days. Yeah, like you've well, got like, you know, it's, it's got, kind of the thing, but then I'm kind of away for a while. Right. And then they, you know, uh, which, you know, it's quite nice. I think it could be, you know, a good thing to kind of disappear and then people can, <laughs> can be introduced to you again. Right. And then, but yeah, I, uh, that's the thing is I made those films, you know, in two different years, but obviously yeah. because of this past year, uh, they all had the release dates um, reshuffled. And now they ended up coming out at the same time. And now an embarrassment of riches. Um, and they're, they're all excellent. Blue Bayou um, is a, a really special piece of work. And I, I'm, you know, like there are certain kinds of movies where it's like, to me, it's like, oh, it's obvious how someone like you would end up in them. And frankly, something like Blue Bayou, it's kind of a miracle. A film like this gets released, gets made. And I'm kind of fascinated by like how you end up in something like this, which is a relatively small slice of life. Yeah, it's a very small I I think what I end up like doing next or, you know, it kind of changes all the time. It's like, I like being very in the moment when I choose my projects. It can be what I've come off of, like if I've been on a big film, what I feel like doing next or what kind of part of my own life I'm in at the moment. And with this film, I had seen Gook that was Justin uh, Chan's first film when it came out of Sundance a few years back. And it was immediately like got on my radar. I was like, who's this guy? Right. And he made this beautiful film for like 200 grand. And I was also just impressed to see, you know, the work he had done. He is Korean, Korean American, uh, which, um, you know, tragically have put him in a situation where he didn't get much work. I hope that's changing right now, but he kind of took it in a, his own hands. And it's like, I still want to make films. I'm going to write them and I'm going to direct them and act in them. And he just knocked it out of the park, I thought. No, and I agree. I heard, yeah. And I kind of talked about him with my team. And then a few years back, it was like, it was uh, one of my agents who said, well, he's making another film. And I don't think it was like a thing. I was like, I want to read it, <laughs> you know? And I did. And I was like, I want to have a chat with him. <laughs> And also it was a part that it's interesting throughout my career. In the beginning, it was like interesting because people were like, well, you have a bit of a British accent and you played queens and, and, and princes in some films. So you right. must come from a very posh background yourself, you know, and it's not at all how I grew up. 
more of a working you know class family in a smaller town in Sweden and I've always been interested in in America and American culture and to tell and to know maybe the stories that are not uh, often get their light shined upon them and I read this and 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 had an amazing chat with Justin and also for him to say you know I I think you you would be so amazing in this part and I was like yeah that's that's not a part that people would normally go to me with yeah so you know yes I ended up in a very small film but it was also nice for me to get someone who said yeah this is what you can do and I very much felt like I related with this character and, and the story and also felt like it was a very important one in the sense that I had no clue myself before reading the script the situation that so many of these adopted children have gone through not only in America but around the world apparently it's um it feels I mean you know a story like this has to feel authentic and it clearly um you know Justin feels very close to this material and, and yet you said it yourself it's a great um demonstration of what he can do in all aspects of filmmaking and kudos to him for getting this to the finish line um when you're in this environment you know you kind of alluded to this like yes um this is not the kind of part i've seen you in before that's what any actor would want you want to stretch does it feel like you're when you're in this environment surrounded i assume you shot did you shoot in louisiana or somewhere close yeah we were in new orleans so that has to help and yeah of course and um, and for me, it was, you know, I, I ended up going there a few weeks before. I mean, it, from us having that chat, actually, I was I think it was in Bulgaria when we first Zoomed and I called my team and said, which is maybe not the procedure normally, but it's such a small film. So doesn't, I was like, we had a great chat. I think, you know, we, we said we're going to, I want to, we're going to do it. I want to do it. So you just figure it out now. <laughs> you know? hey. And I think and then it was like, I think he went out to prep like so close after that call I mean it went really fast um and and then you know I I tried to go out there as soon as I could uh and you know with the accent too that was it it was so amazing to see how you know the the culture and and it's so vibrant out there I mean the music and the food is incredible but then also to see just how I mean when I was just prepping my accent I didn't I asked like two people who to me had completely different sounds and they were both from there. Right. And it just shows, you know, kind of the diversity of, of that city. And, and, and um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I, I don't think we could have shot it anywhere else. I think that the, the place itself is kind of like a very strong character. in the Absolutely. Film. You know, it, it just oozes reality from it. Is the icing on the cake of something like this uh, a chance to sing? I don't think I've seen you sing uh, on screen so before. I, I, no. So... I'm not a singer. I think it was the one thing in the script. And I mean, uh, at least the Linda Ronstadt version of Blue Bio that I knew. Uh, I mean, I was like, that's not an easy song. It's not the one I would, because uh, I do love karaoke, but it's not the song I would go for there, I must say. And I kind of brought it up and it was like, I don't think that and that conversation did not end up going anywhere. I think Justin meets, I mean, it's the name of the film. <laughs> and I was like, I was like yeah, Would yeah. Would you mind yeah, just sure. retitling the film yeah. for me? And, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I tell you, I was, you know, I was singing that in the shower and at home and I had it on like repeat constantly that song. And then on the day, uh, it was, I mean, summer in Louisiana, New Orleans, it's boiling hot, except for this one night when we do this garden party scene and it's like freezing. Something happened that night. And I mean, I'm in the summer dress and it's, I think it's like the last shot of the day is me singing. And I've been walking around like this, yeah. waiting all day. Yeah. And then it's this big group of extras and I go up on that stage and something happens that I don't think has happened since, I think it happened And I remember when I shot Anna Karenina, which was one of my first English speaking roles, then I was so nervous that I didn't know what to do. I was like almost vomiting. And I got up on that stage, my character does. And then I looked down at my hand and it's like shaking. (laughs) And I literally, like, I was was talking to myself, I was like, wow, Alyssa, you are really nervous. (laughs) This has not happened. You know, this is your job. Come on now. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, cool. And, uh, but then, you know, we shot it and actually after like two, three takes, I warmed into it. And then I kind of just like, I was like, I couldn't do one more now. <laughs> no, uh, no, but then, um, you know, I was really, when I was gonna, when I saw a cut for the first time of the film, it was really one of those things, oh, this thing is coming up now. Uh, but it's cool because in the end, I think it's my favorite scene in the film and much to do. And I felt it when we were shooting it too. It's that thing when, you know, this couple is going through a very traumatic time yeah. uh, at the stage in the film. And very often it's very hard, you know, for, for people to put to words when you're going through something because it's, it's hard to say, know what to say and for the words actually to be as profound as the thing you feel. Yeah. And then doing it by singing a song might actually be an easier and simpler way of, and more direct way of doing it. And that's kind of what, what it turned out to be. Do you, uh, do you get nervous showing a scene like that to friends and family? I mean, again, you really worked yourself up into a, a moment knowing there was a lot, you were putting yeah, yourself out there. No, I think because when I, when, when I saw it, I really, I mean, and I, I feel like I said, I felt it when we were shooting it, yeah. but seeing it, it really works. And yeah. I can see that it's, it's kind of the time when these two characters meet and, and they, you know, can lock eyes and everything is said suddenly through right. this simple song. I love that also. So I, I, I've met Justin once or twice and like the journey that he's been on like I remember, I talked to him in the Twilight days back in the like when his career was. Just I remember getting, him in Twilight. I was gonna yes. say, did you did you watch Twilight back then? Like, was the, yeah, that cross your? Yeah, I, yeah. No, I remember him. Yeah, clearly. Were you were you Team Edward, Team Jacob? Did you have an allegiance? That I that I wasn't really not that invested. No, <laughs> not too Sorry. late. It's not too. No, it's okay. This was my life for like five years at MTV when the world sank or swam so what, have you ever been allowed to say what, wow what that would be quite an exclusive to get yeah. to get out of me now yeah. i mean i love them both don't make me choose oh, right. oh, God. <laughs> i've spent more time with robert pattinson so maybe i have to go team edward okay cool i got you to say it i love it <laughs> you got it out of me you got it out of me um but you alluded to the, I mean, look, it's a beautiful film. It's also, it's an upsetting film to watch at times. I mean, it's really, it, it, you know, it, it, it shines a light on the bigotry and racism that's, that's really an underbelly in American society, but not just America. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's a sadly very relevant film for our times. Is that something that, that weighed on you and the cast as you were, I, I assume like when you make something like this, you're talking about the issues that it's confronting while you're making it yes. or no. And, and you realize that it was stories from people and that it's not an American issue, that right. it's something that happens, you know, everywhere. Um, yeah. And, you know, when I read the script the first time, I, I couldn't really believe that legally this could happen. Yeah. And then you understand that there's been thousands of children uh, that have, been deported from their home and from their own well home country yeah that is um um so yeah i think the, the, making this film it was it was um not a way of us not not talking about those issues on set it was right. clearly a part of why we all wanted to make it yeah it, 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 on a much different note, you also uh, pop up in uh, a couple uh, performances in uh, The Green Knight. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, David very Lauer, different. <laughs> very different. A little hard to segue into that one, except it shares you. Um, yeah. But uh, it does share another passionate, interesting filmmaker, Justin. Yeah. Obviously, that was a labor of love for him, Blue Bayou. And everything that David Lowry touches is um, very singular. Um, mm -hmm. and his take on that kind of Arthurian tale uh, really has resonated with folks that have seen it. Um, is he a filmmaker that, again, you kind of chase in a way, like when David Lowry's making yeah, something I, I like- wanted, Yeah, I wanted to meet him, and yeah. we ended up just having a chat. Um, and then we got to know each other. And then I, I don't know, it was the first time we met or later on that he mentioned that he was like, yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to uh, adapt this 
poem. Um, and I, I, I mean, I immediately had a hunch it being him, but I remember when he sent me the script and I was just kind of blown away and amazed and knew that, you know, no one else but him could do that, but we've had so many adaptions in one way of yeah. the poems that are the nights around the round table. But no one has ever tried to kind of adapt the poem as a poem, you know, being as literary in one way and, and uh, um, as what he tried to do with this. It's, it's as um, open to interpretation and uh, um, kind of magical uh, yeah. as the poem. And I love that. The conversations I've had so far with John that's about it, everyone seems like they come with a, a very separate, very uh, personal angle to it, which is so much fun. And I think that was also a film where we ended up having so many discussions uh, about the intent or what you know what it is we're making. Yeah. Uh, and that was something I realized too um, when I started to do my research. How many like endless essays about this poem that exists actually because you read online and people who've taken like PhDs in this right. subject well yeah. that's what I yeah that's what's fascinating I think about him always is like his reference points is such like a, a unique blend of um things like he loves like you know the stuff that um, about his age I think like things like Willow and like really kind of like mainstream kind of yeah. sci-fi and fantasy I but can't wait he, to see Peter Pan <laughs> there exactly but then he and then he blends it with this very like highbrow very like intellectual take and it kind of just it's on its own wavelength and it's really really cool I'm always intrigued by what he's up to um when I last caught up with you I think you were about to see your first movie in a theater did you get did you end up getting a giant bucket of popcorn and seeing Tenet in I a thought theater I thought Tenet yeah, yeah you, you were seeing Tenet okay yeah <laughs> okay so that that checked out yeah it did happen it's so nice <laughs> to be back have you and have uh, you what has your I year of pop culture been since I've spoken with you have you been binging a lot well after that it was kind of another lockdown in yeah. Portugal so then I haven't I haven't been to the cinema since I think shows that I can't yeah yeah I think now uh in France here yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I should go on so some of the films that were in Cannes should be out here now and I should practice my French and go and see them in French maybe <laughs> um but no since then I you know I've 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 continued to watch yeah a lot of tv series I guess what have you been watching what have I been watching? Oh my god! <laughs> I know that's one of those questions where if somebody asks me, like every it's almost it's it almost like out. I watch so much. Um, I it goes out. I, I was told today to watch White Lotus. So oh. I'm very excited to see that. Highly that's recommend. Something. Um, yeah. Very nice, very nice. And then oh, looking... that looked good. That was a good face. I'm excited to see it. No, no, I, that's <laughs> like, top of my list right now. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, you have a couple. You have a couple interesting projects you're developing right now that I just wanted to, to mention. Um, obviously, we talked last year about uh, Tomb Raider. It continues to kind of reiterate. Now you've got another yeah. a very intriguing filmmaker uh, behind it, uh, Misha Green from Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Um, mm. You feeling in a good place now, like with Misha's take on it? Is it kind of metamorphosizing into something different that you're excited about? Yeah, the, the script is kind of, uh, she's working on it right now. Uh, so I'm excited to read it and see. Um, yeah, uh, I, I hope it's still, <laughs> you know, still something that the studio wants to make. And But it, but it looks like, you know, they're all uh, working towards that. So. Well, they keep putting cool people on it. So that means there's yeah. interest, right? They're trying to make exactly. it work. So hopefully you'll yeah. get to the finish line there. Uh, Olivier uh, Asayas, are you going to yeah, be working with well, him? Um, I'm in the hotel. Yeah, we've been, I just came from set right now. Oh, oh so you're shooting? Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. I'm here. I'm in like a little hotel room where I changed just now. Yeah. Oh, wow. We, so you're, you're a long day of shoot. Oh, amazing. So you're in Irma Vep mode right now. So how's yeah. that going? So uh, Olivier is a fantastic filmmaker. What's it been like so far, that collaboration? Um, great. I've known him for a few years, yeah. um, became a friend of mine. And then it's been one of those things when I, I, I wanted or hoped that we were going to work one day and yeah. then they kind of fell into place. Um, he said he wanted to make an adaption of his own 
kind of cult movie, uh, Amabab, uh, and it's been a great experience producing it with A24 and uh, then HBO picked right. it up, this limited, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's like his work, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of amazing scenes with, I've um, got the pleasure of doing a lot of um, long scenes, you know, that's what he likes shooting, uh, and then some incredible uh, actors, because he can just choose people who want to come and join, so yeah. it's been wonderful, it's, it's, a, it's a, I think it's a very much an, an, an actor's joy to get to do one of his films. Nice. Well, when in doubt, chase the the singular filmmakers and everyone we've talked to today, whether it's Justin with a passion project, David Lowry or Olivier, um, you have a knack for that. So thank you for hiding away from set for 20 minutes to catch up with me. (laughs) This is our our 2021 catch up session. Thank you. I was so happy when I when I saw your name on the list for this press. It's always such a pleasure. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 